0: Hello and welcome to The 1909, the podcast that takes an in-depth look at some of the state news's biggest stories while bringing in new perspectives from the reporters who wrote them. This week, we'll be talking about how small businesses in East Lansing are doing during the COVID-19 pandemic, how people are using social media in light of social isolation, and we'll be looking back at MSU's meningitis outbreak in the 1990s. Thanks for joining us. I am here with student government reporter, Wendy Guzman. Thanks for being here.
1: Hi, thank you for having me.
0: So can you talk a little bit about your story that was in our most recent print edition?
1: Uh, Yes. So I guess one of the things we were most um, concerned about or that sprung into mind the most thinking about how All of the MSU students and faculty are not going to be on campus anymore now that we're online for the rest of the semester and for the first half of the summer, at least, was just what's going to happen to all of these businesses that are in the city because it is a college town very much so. So a lot of the business that they have comes off of the people that work at the university, attend the university, come visit. So, you know, a lot of these places are very old. A lot of them are very known by a lot of alumni and whatnot, and they're really struggling right now. It's it's hard, and there's places that aren't even restaurants, so they don't even get to open their doors at all. So they also have to find ways to just continue, find loans or some way that they can come back and actually be there when everything goes back to normal.
0: Yeah, what were some of the businesses in East Lansing you talked to for the story?
1: Um so I talked to Ray Walsh, who's the owner of Curious Books um bookshop and Archives Bookshop. So he was one of those non-essential businesses that I spoke to. They've been around for a very, very long time. I couldn't give you the exact date. I believe I know he himself started selling books in like 1969 when he was a student at MSU. So the stores fell not long after that. So seeing them struggle was very tough because they're just a very much a staple on Grand River and in in East Lansing. So the idea of them being being in such a bad place was really hard to hear about. I know he has, like, a GoFundMe and such, and, like, it's, it's really heartbreaking. And then I also spoke to a more newer business, so there's um, Groovy Donuts in East Lansing. They're only about four years old, I think. Their location's been there, and they're very much struggling as well. They had to lay off a bunch of their bakers. Their owners are the ones pretty much doing all the baking aside from one other person. So they've really had to limit their interaction. They're only open like three days a week for a couple hours, just as long as they're trying to do as much as they can to not have to close. Yeah,
0: what were some of the concerns of these businesses in moving forward when things hopefully soon kind of go back to normal?
1: I think their biggest concern was just not knowing Even when it does happen, like, how will it happen? Who else is going to be left? And then just trying to figure out ways for them to be able to be one of the ones that are left when they get back, because there's just a lot of uncertainty and there's not very much planning they can do. So it's all just kind of going at it and hoping that it'll be enough and it'll keep them lasting long enough until whenever it's over.
0: Yeah, is there anything else that was interesting that any of the businesses talked about or anything that you came across in your reporting that kind of stood out to you?
1: Um, I think that a lot of times when we see a storefront and whatnot, people just go and do their business and that's whatnot. But it does these businesses have owners, people that have put hours and so much money and just effort as well as like love into what they're doing and what they're providing for the people in East Lansing so it's really really sad to see that they're struggling very very badly and I hope that you know the majority of the businesses can find a way to come back from this after
0: yeah thank you so much for being here Wendy
1: yeah thank you for having me
0: Okay, I am here with reporter Samaya Overall. Thanks for joining me today.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: So can you talk about your story that was in our most recent print edition about social media?
2: Yeah, so I wrote a story about the recent increase of social media challenges since we began quarantine in early March. Um, They've increased over Instagram and Facebook, mainly because of students and young adults feeling that isolation and obviously social media is a way for us to connect with each other so using these challenges are just fun ways to remind us that we're all in this together and that um and that we are still connected even though we can't see each other face to face
0: yeah can you talk a little bit about how you kind of came up with this story and how you went about writing it, like what kind of sources and stuff did you kind of have to collect for the story?
2: Yeah. So, um, I personally noticed that these challenges were popping up just from being on social media, like any other, um, student my age. And I just realized there were so many of them now that, um, in comparison to earlier in the semester, that I thought was interesting, maybe worth writing about. So I looked for a social media expert um, that I spoke with that she mentioned in the article, and she just talked about a little bit about why that needs happen to be increasing and why um, we can expect for this to happen during a time of isolation that a lot of people are feeling. Um, I also spoke with two students. One student absolutely hated um, the social media challenges he felt that they were um not useful that they were more of a waste of time and that if you wanted to connect with your friends you should do it in a more um authentic way I guess and then I also spoke with another student who has participated in some of these social media challenges she said that she thought they were good because they spread positivity they um they helped remind people like I said earlier that we're all in this together, that we're gonna be okay. And so seeing both sides of that uh, binary was also interesting and yeah.
0: Can you maybe give a few examples of what these social media challenges look like?
2: Yeah, so um, one popular one was Until Tomorrow. Basically what you did is you posted um, more of an embarrassing or strange picture that really didn't have much context. And you wait for some of your followers to like the picture. And when they like it, you DM them on Instagram. And you um, prompt them to do the same thing, post a strange picture, and wish someone like it. Um, another one was uh, see a pub send a pub or see a pet, send a pet. Um, that was more of a Facebook challenge where you would um, take a picture of your, anim- your pet or your dog or something like that. And you would tag some of your Facebook friends and encourage them to share a picture of their pets. There was also one um, called the 20 Beautiful Women Challenge. What they did, it's on Instagram. Um, A female user will post a picture of themselves. It will tag 20 other female users and um, um, prompt them to post a picture of themselves as well. It's more of a promoting self-love and self-esteem and things like that. And then um, a fourth one was a Snapchat. One, it was a send an X if I can really count on you challenge. So you would post on your story that pretty much a blank screen that says send an X if I can count on you. And um, people would slide up and they would send their X they can count on you. And it was um, more of just um way to show that you had like a support group, I guess. So, yeah.
0: Nice. Yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to say about your experience kind of reporting on this story or maybe moving forward what these social media challenges might continue to look like?
2: Um, I thought it was interesting to report on the story because it was something that I, one of the things that I had observed myself that I realized, huh, like this is increasing and it was something that affected me in my life just as a normal everyday young adult. Um, When I spoke with the social media expert, she mentioned that she's not um, sure if the challenges will continue to be as um, prominent as they are now once we move out of more social isolation and move more into the normal of things. But she she said that it's very possible that because they're happening so much now, they'll become part of our routine, that once we go back to our quote-unquote normal, it won't seem it won't seem like a jump and so these trends will seem um they'll be part of our routine and they won't necessarily subside so it's more of a time will tell thing but yeah i thought that was interesting that we may have these increase for years
0: yeah well thank you so much for being on and talking about your story samaya
2: thank you so much for having me
0: With academics reporter Carly Graham. Thanks for being here.
3: Thank you for having me.
0: All right, so can you talk a little bit about your story that was in our most recent print edition?
3: So I wrote about the 1999 meningitis outbreak that hit MSU. Um, It was a story that I was a little bit interested in because someone had mentioned it to me and told me that they thought it would be interesting. And I was like, yeah, I agree. So I went ahead and looked through the state news archives to try to find out who actually wrote it. And um, trying to find people to talk to was a little bit difficult because Elizabeth Hardy, who is now, or who was at the time Elizabeth Vanden Boom, obviously changed her last name after she got married. So trying to track her down took me a while, but I still think it was an interesting story and I'm glad I got to put that out there.
0: Yeah, what are some of the things that she said about her experience on reporting about that?
3: Um, One of the things that she said was that um, she thought that students were taking it very seriously, which I thought was interesting because I don't necessarily think students currently are taking COVID-19 as seriously as it is. And to know that 2,300 people showed up to get vaccinated when there was a meningitis outbreak was kind of interesting. And I don't know if it was just that it was too close to home or anything like that, um, because they actually had it happen in Wilson Hall, I believe, when a band member had it. But I don't know. I, I think it was really interesting to me that people were taking it as seriously as they were. And I also think that it's interesting just the differences in reaction between how people reacted to meningitis in the nineties compared to COVID-19 in 2020, because they're obviously very different situations, but they are outbreaks that are kind of close to home. So I think it's, it was interesting for me.
0: Yeah. Did she talk about any of the potential similarities between the outbreaks the meningitis one and the one that we're seeing right now.
3: Yeah, I did ask her if she saw any similarities between the two. And she said not really, because they're such different scales. And obviously, people's reactions are different. And people like how people are handling it is a lot different. So like one of the questions I asked was like, how would people react if they had to do anything remotely or try to do any of their homework online and stuff? And she's like, well, that wasn't a situation. Like, not every student had laptops in their rooms or computers in their rooms. Like, it's much easier for us currently to be able to transition into this new type of learning and not have everything be completely disrupted, even though it kind of feels like it is sometimes.
0: Yeah, is there anything else you wanted to say about this story?
3: Um, I usually like think about what I wrote. I, I think it's cool that for this story, I got to do a little bit of digging through the archives because I definitely haven't done, or like spent enough time actually doing that. And I think it's kind of cool to know that in however many years, people are going to be looking back at our current reporting on COVID-19 and how we handled it when there's probably going to be something else a little bit big happened. So I don't know. I think that was something that I really enjoyed doing and would like to do more of.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on today.
3: Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks again for joining us this week on The 1909 the podcast that takes an in-depth look at some of the state news's biggest stories while bringing in new perspectives from the reporters who wrote them. You can find more of our content on statenews.com or by following us on Twitter at The S News or on Instagram at state news. We'll be back next week to unpack even more stories.